We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Hey, you're listening to the December 4th, 2017 College Football Show, Alberta Biz Radio Podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at KylePollockFF, and joining me is my co-host, Jordan Hoover, on Twitter at jhoover9787. Jordan, how you doing today? I'm doing really good, Kyle. I wanted to wish you a happy Josh Gordon Day. Um, <laughs> I know that pretty much the entirety of the fantasy football community on Twitter has been awaiting this day for three years now, and... Um, he, he failed to score a touchdown, but he performed extremely well against a really tough defense. So uh, not really college football related, but he's just a guy that, um, you know, I really enjoyed watching uh, a couple years back. And I'm glad that he's back and seems to have things straightened out. And he's, you know, just a good addition to the NFL. But uh, transitioning back to college football, we had a pretty exciting conference championship weekend uh yesterday we had a bunch of games some were blowouts some were close so we had a nice variety i think and we also have uh we're back recording on our normal schedule tonight sunday night so we had the final version of the college football playoff rankings unveiled this afternoon as well as the full slate of bowl games so we have a ton to get into yeah we're not going to do any previews this week because uh the only game this actual week is uh army navy which is a good game but um the bowl season already decided not a lot to talk about there Um, we're going to dive into um 
the playoffs a little bit, kind of give our thoughts on that, uh, recap this week, also talk about the Heisman, uh, which is coming up this week. So it should be a good show all around. Um, like Jordan said, um, championship weekend was this weekend. Uh, I think the the big game that everybody was looking for was kind of the SEC title game. So it's kind of going to be the first one we dive into. Um, Georgia steamrolled Auburn 28-7. to um, Auburn jumped out to a 7 nothing lead, and then it was all Georgia uh, from there on out. Their rushing attack uh, really was able to do most of the work for this game for them. Um, DeAndre Swift had a, a really long touchdown where he looked impressive, uh, 64 yards, had some great blocking there. We kind of touched on that last week, how uh, if Georgia wanted to come back and you know win this game um, after getting killed by Auburn initially, um, their, their line really needed to step up and take over the trenches, and they were kind of able to do just that. Um, their, their defense looked solid all around as well. Um, had two fumble recoveries um, for Roquan Smith, their linebacker, who's a pretty talented guy. He should go first round in the next uh, few years. Um, and Jake Fromm also looked a lot better. That was another thing we touched on. He does not look like a freshman. And he, um, while he wasn't phenomenal by any stretch, he, he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, 16 for 22, no turnovers, two touchdowns. Um, so solid game for Georgia. Got them into the playoff. They'll be playing uh, – Number two, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, so kind of a different matchup than what you usually see out there uh, in California. That's a game I think a lot of people are excited for. Yeah, uh, it's you know we we covered this game last week on the pod. We previewed it, and this was kind of the pendulum swinging back. I think for Georgia, they like you said they they were able to run the ball uh, well enough, and and they just continue to churn with you know, rotating with Nick Chubb, Swift, like you mentioned, Sony Michelle, who did get uh, did get banged up a bit in this game. And then they also gave a couple carries to Elijah Holyfield. So it's kind of the same same theme we've been talking about pretty much all season. Georgia just has a wealth of talent in the backfield and they 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 spread out the carries, keep keep fresh legs on the guy carrying the ball and it's worked out well for them. Um, carry on Johnson, you know, he 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 played, he had thirteen carries for Auburn. But it was pretty clear that he was not 100%. You could tell that he was sort of laboring a bit. Um, Stidham uh, had kind of a rough game. I mean, he only completed 50% of his throws, did throw a touchdown, no picks, but he was pretty limited. And Georgia's defense just played really well. And I think that, you know, obviously we're going to see more from Georgia moving forward. But, you know, this is just a reminder that even though Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb will both be leaving likely both being drafted in next uh, in the 2018 draft, the, the youth movement that Kirby Smart and his, his group are building at Georgia is really impressive, along with the guys coming in from this year's class. Uh, so it seems like Georgia, you know, we, we've, we've talked about them all year, but the arrow is still pointing uh, pretty steeply uh, in, the, in the upward direction, and we're going to get to see um, we're going to get to see how they fare against Oklahoma, like you mentioned, in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Georgia winning the uh, championship, one thing I was surprised at, um, it was the first time since 2008 that an SEC East team had won the SEC title. doesn't feel that long ago that Florida was winning national championships, but that's almost 10 years, which is crazy to me. Um, so that's just a little, a little tidbit there. Um, one team who isn't pointing up uh, any longer is Miami. Uh, Miami lost 38-3 to Clemson in the ACC title game. 
I watched a little bit of this game. I, I mainly focused on the Big Ten game during the same, uh, same time slot, excuse me, because um, this game wasn't competitive at all, really. Malik Rozier was, um, had a horrible game for Miami, 14 for 29, 110 yards, two interceptions, um, with his two top targets being out, or two of his top targets being out with Amon Richards and um, Chris Herndon. It's kind of hard to get anything going for them, um, especially when you can't run the ball against Clemson um, because their defense is just so good. Um, it, it's going to be almost impossible to score, and that, that's what we saw from Miami. Um, Clemson wasn't you know, phenomenal by any stretch on offense, um, at least in terms of numbers. Nobody really stood out in a big way. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod did have 100 yards receiving. Other than that, um, nothing really stood out for them. Just that dominant defense um, was able to keep them rolling and earn them the number one spot in the college football playoff ranking. And we're going to have a rematch, rematch of the last two title games in the semifinal this year. So we'll get two different teams to play in the championship, at least. But uh, we're going to get uh, Alabama, Clemson, round three, which should be very, very exciting. Yeah, it's interesting. Miami did a, a, a really good job against Clemson on the ground as far as yards per carry goes. They they only totaled 77 rushing yards on 41 attempts, but the problem is they scored four rushing touchdowns. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of take the good and the bad there, I guess. But um, Clemson kind of doing their best Georgia impression. They, they rolled different running backs in and out. Um, CJ Fuller, Adam Choice, Travis Etienne, our boy, Tavian Feaster, Kelly Bryan had nine carries. They spread out the touches pretty evenly. They weren't extremely efficient, but they were able to score, and that's really all that matters. Uh, Kelly Bryan had a pretty nice day through the air. I mean, he was 23 for 29, 252 and a touchdown. Uh, and like you said, Malik Rozier had a just an absolutely miserable game. Um, I think, you know, when we talked about this game uh, on last week's pod, with all the injuries that were that were lining up for Miami, it, it just felt like this was going to be a really, really big ask for them to be able to stick around with Clemson. And I think this game kind of went the way that we thought it would. Uh, I, You know, Miami, what they've done this season so far has been pretty remarkable considering how down the program was not that long ago uh, at 10 and 2. I think that, you know, Mark Richt is, is he's not doing he's not doing much to kind of shake that that like big game fall apart uh, that everyone that you know that, that everyone is real quick to tag on him. But I think that they are moving in the right direction and if they can, you know, continue to to hold their own in recruiting, uh, I, I can't see why Miami won't, you know, be a consistent contender for the ACC. I think that if they keep building, find a quarterback, um, so, I mean, not to take too much away from Miami, but Clemson, I think, was just clearly the better, deeper, more talented, and healthier team. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. Um, another team similar to um, Clemson in that regard, I would say, in the way they played uh, with Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield and the Sooners knocked off TCU 41-17. Kind of similar to the Clemson game, not uh, like anybody putting up uh, huge numbers by any stretch. Uh, Mayfield was efficient, 15 for 23 um, four touchdowns, only 243 yards, though. Did have 65 yard, yards rushing as well. Um, Marquise Brown caught a 52-yard touchdown for Oklahoma. He's had a nice year for them. Rodney Anderson was a little bottled up this game. Only had 93 yards, um, but only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Um, on the TCU side, Kenny Hill was fine. Not spectacular. Um, obviously, if he was spectacular, they probably would have. this game would have been a little closer. Oklahoma kind of just did what they did, have been doing all year. Um, save for that one Iowa State game, put up a lot of points. Defense was pretty efficient for the most part. Um, 
Like I said, they'll be facing Georgia um, in the Rose Bowl. I think that's a good strength-on-strength matchup for that game. Um, Probably the best offense in the country against, uh, you know, one of the probably top five defenses in the country. So I'm excited for that. Um, I do want to say for Marquise Brown, um, he ended the regular season at least with 981 yards, averaged 20 yards per reception. Um, So he kind of broke out as Oklahoma's top receiver this year which was exciting to see. I think he's a good deep threat moving forward for um, them with Kyler Murray. Yeah, and something else I think that was encouraging if you're an Oklahoma fan is the fact that they did pretty well to bottle up TCU on the ground. They did decent on on defense in general, but especially against the run game, they only gave up 83 yards. Um, and, you know, just the style of offense that TCU runs, because they're so spread out, they can – sometimes have success running the ball against uh, lighter fronts. Um, and Oklahoma hasn't, you know, we've talked about their defense at length throughout the season and they have not been that impressive. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, it's a good sign that they kind of held TCU down here. Um, hopefully they can carry, you know, hopefully they can carry that confidence moving forward against, against Georgia. We'll see because there's really no, there's really no debate that, I think we feel pretty confident that Oklahoma can score on Georgia. It's definitely a step up in in talent, I think, defense, uh, as far as that's concerned. But I don't really have much concern that Oklahoma is going to score. But if their defense can kind of tighten up and and control Georgia, you know, that that sets up as a nice matchup. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of carry that over because, you know, TCU – they have talent. They have talented running backs, but nothing like what Georgia is going to throw at Oklahoma. So that'll be a that'll be actually a matchup uh, coming up in in that game that I'll have particular that I'll be paying particular attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, heading out west, the game on Friday. Um, this this was a pretty good game. USC won thirty one to twenty eight over Stanford. Um, pulled away late. I believe they kicked a field goal. Um, or no, they, they scored a touchdown late, excuse me. Um, Michael Pittman, I think, was, was the story of this game for me. Um, he was a pretty highly touted recruit two years ago, redshirt last year, um, and ha- had like a huge breakout game this game. He's been playing well this year, but this was kind of his, his first um, true um, game where he dominated. He's had seven catches for 146 yards and a touchdown, um, almost 21 yards per reception. He's six foot four, 215 pounds. Um, and I think he's somebody who I would assume he'd be the uh, Trojans' top receiver next year with Deontay Burnett graduating. Um, if Sam Darnold comes back, I think he's somebody who could really blow up next year. Um, Ronald Jones had 140 yards and two touchdowns, um, and this was a run-heavy game for USC, which I was a little surprised to see. Um, Stanford has pretty good run defense. Um, Bryce Love also did his thing, 125 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think we both took Stanford in this game, so maybe uh, – at least with the points, uh, I believe Stanford was plus, uh, plus three and a half or plus four. Um, so maybe may a little surprised by the result there. But um, overall, I think this was one of the better games of uh, the weekend. Yeah, and I was pretty impressed with Sam Darnold. Um, he was completed about 70% of his throws. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions. And that was something that I that I noted in, in the preview for this game is that it seems like he's sort of, getting right down here, down the stretch over the last six or seven games or so. I think that he's been playing much better, at least more efficient. And he, he showed that again 
against Stanford, who is, you know, they're no pushover defense. And so that was good to see uh, for USC fans. Like you said, Ronald Jones, he had 30 carries. He pretty much was the workhorse in that backfield. Bryce Love had 125 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Stanford's passing game was kind of hit or miss. KJ Costello uh, was only 10 for 22, but he hit a couple long pass plays. Caden Smith, um, who I believe is tight end, correct? Correct. Yes. Four, yeah, four catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns. So they were kind of they were kind of all or all or nothing in the passing game. But I still do I still do like KJ Costello. I think that he's probably he should be the guy moving forward. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, over the spring and summer, but. I think that they've, you know, he's kind of brought, this wasn't necessarily his most efficient game, but I think that he's kind of brought a little bit of stability to the passing game. They still have a lot of work to do there, obviously, but um, yeah. And Stephen Carr, uh, I don't know if ever, if everyone saw his one run, I think it was only like, it might've been an 11 yard gain, but it was, there were some, some joystick moves um, completely just leaving people behind. He's so insanely talented, and it, it's one of those things where I know that this game was on Friday night and then rolling into Saturday night. It, it seems like every game we see a new RB1 for the 2020 class comes up, and it's just a matter of who we've seen last. And And I, I noted on Twitter that it's it's getting really hard not to be extremely optimistic about that about that group. And we, you know, as, as dynasty analysts, Devi, we, we always seem to get enamored with a couple years out, and then it always seems to fall a little bit short. But this 2020 running back class, it's going to be it's going to take some sort of meltdown for it not to be impressive, just the way that it looks right now. Yeah, and just touching on Caden uh, Smith real quick, um, he's a, he's a redshirt sophomore tight end for Stanford, and he's came on strong the past three games. Um, I believe he was the number one tight end in his recruiting class. If not, he was right up there. Um, three touchdowns his last three games. Um, and then 43, 50, 43, 65, and 80 yards. Um, so he's kind of picked it up. And I think he could be, um, you know, similar to Zacherts, um, kind of in that mold as a Stanford tight end. Um, it's a pretty easy comparison to make. Um, I haven't watched a ton of him. Uh, I know he's not as physical as Ertz is as a blocker. I know he's only because he's a redshirt freshman, but 6'5", 250, already has that great size. So he's somebody who I th- think could develop into one of their uh, the better tight ends in the country. Um Probably the best Power 5 game of the weekend was uh, the Big Ten title game. Ohio State defeated Wisconsin 27-21. to uh, The big story of this game for a lot of people was Turf Guy um, fixing, the, <laughs> fixing the field late in the fourth quarter. Um, that got a lot of play uh, on Twitter and even on TV because it was a, a long delay there. Um, we got we got okay JT Barrett this game. I don't think we got good or bad JT Barrett. Um, he, he wasn't phenomenal by any stretch. Um, but he kind of came up when it mattered. Um, I, and I think considering the circumstances that uh, he had, he had knee surgery earlier in the week. He played pretty well. Um, I'll give him credit there. Uh, was 12 for 26. Uh, did have two interceptions, but also uh, threw for two touchdowns, ran for 60 yards on a touchdown. Um, J.K. Dobbins had a 77-yard touchdown where he accelerated it on the corner and just blew past like three Wisconsin defenders in a matter of two seconds. And it was pretty crazy to watch um Jonathan Taylor got really bottled up this game and probably uh, it was definitely his toughest test but I was about to say his first true test I don't think that's true but um you know he, he was solid against Michigan as well um but 
only 2.7 yards per carries, 41 rushing yards, both lows to the seasons. Um, I wasn't particularly impressed with Ohio State this game. Um, I think that's kind of why they didn't get to the playoff. If they had steamrolled Wisconsin, maybe it's a different story. Uh, Wisconsin, if they had won this game, they're likely in the playoff. But um, uh, I wasn't, yeah, wasn't too impressed with either of these teams. I don't think that fares well for bowl season. Um, if JT Barrett can get healthy, I think uh, that's a different story for that USC game. But um, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Ohio State deserved to make the playoff personally. We'll kind of get into that later, but this game kind of just reaffirmed that for me. Yeah, and just touching on JT Barrett quickly, I agree that he had six days, I believe, to recover after he had surgery on his knee, and he carried the ball 19 times. Um, it's just pretty wild. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about him on this podcast all season, and yeah, I mean, it was a kind of ugly game throwing the ball, but he did enough to get the win, and you know, they're conference champion, champions now, so that's nothing to sneeze at either. Like you said, they did get bumped from the playoff just narrowly, um, but you know, it's. It, I, th- I think that, we'll, like you said, we'll talk about this shortly, but I think that what it really comes down to is that loss to Iowa um, just looked really, really, really bad. And it was a tough spot. You know, Iowa at home, we talked about that a bunch. They narr- almost beat Penn State earlier in the season. So it's it's a trap spot, it seems like, always. But, you know, that's. It, it, I think it was too much to overcome. And, yeah. A good call on Dobbins too. He's just reaffirms what I just said regarding Stephen Carr. Uh, just takes another game, and then there's an there's a new RB one for the class. But it seems so deep and and talented at the top. Uh, and Jonathan Taylor as well. He he had a like you said he had a tough game. Uh, probably this had to have been his worst game of the season. He only had 41 yards. Um, but yeah, there, there's there was a lot of talent on display here. A lot of uh, down the road talent that was getting um, highlighted in this game. It was sort of an ugly game, and like you said, the uh, the turf exploding was uh, potentially uh, probably one of the one of maybe one of the highlights of the game actually because of uh, how it how it broke the internet. But yeah, so I mean, it was a good win, I guess, for Ohio State. They didn't get to where they ultimately wanted to be, but they'll um, they'll take a Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to touch on one more game. I think it was the best game of the weekend. Um, although UCF did win the game uh, in double overtime, they knocked off Memphis 62 to 55 to remain undefeated. They did not make the playoff like some were expecting. But um, th- th- this game, um, if you liked offense, it was a phenomenal game. Um, I-, I watched most of this game over the Big 12 championship just because this is like my kind of football. That's what I enjoy. Um, I don't even know who to start with. There were so many good players. But uh, Anthony Miller led the way for Memphis with 195 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Um, on the opposite side of the ball, Traquan Smith, who we've talked about briefly, had a pretty high dominator rating last year for UCF. I think he probably will again this year. Um, he had 161 yards, two touchdowns. Um, someone who I don't think will declare, but um, certainly has an NFL future improved in each of his three seasons uh went over a thousand yards um after this week's game also 20 yards per reception 13 touchdowns solid year for him um and dredrick snelson for ucf as well had nine catches for 145 yards in the touchdown um 
He's been productive this year, but this was kind of similar to Michael Pittman. This was his first real game where he blew up. Um, and he's someone who, he was a pretty uh, highly heralded recruit coming out. He was between Penn State and UCF. So, I, uh, you know, I, I watched a good amount of his high school film. I liked him coming out. Someone who I think has an NFL future. Um, and if he can develop further um, and have a big year next year, um, with him, Mackenzie Milton, and Trey Smith coming back, I don't see any reason why UCF wouldn't be a top 15 type team coming into the year again next year. Um, Milton had a, a great game, 494 yards, five touchdowns. Riley Ferguson also had four touchdowns and 471 yards on the opposite side. And th- this was just a fun game to watch. Um, I, I really, really enjoy watching these two teams play, and I'm excited to see them both play in their bowl game. Yeah, and the over-under of this game was in the mid-80s, which was is pretty wild. You don't see that very often, that they obviously crushed uh, the over-under. Um, given all the overtime, there were 21 points scored, but still, a uh, high-scoring game, like you said. If you enjoy offense, this was your kind of thing. They're almost 15, 1,500, yeah, 1,500 yards of total offense almost. Um, mm-hmm. Really close game. And then, obviously, Scott Frost, UCF's head coach, after the game, it was announced that he would be taking over at Nebraska which is, you know, it, all signs point to that being a home run hire for Nebraska. We'll see exactly how it turns out, but there's no denying how quickly he spun around the UCF program. He's probably the hottest coaching name in college football right now, I would say. Uh, high profile going back to his alma mater. So, I mean, if you're a Nebraska fan, it's been, it's been a, a really rough year, and I think that you can kind of take consolation in the fact that Hopefully the program can kind of get rebooted with Frost coming in. And, yeah, you named a bunch of guys. Uh, Anthony Miller is a guy that has been really, really, really good this year. And I think he's he's kind of going to become a household name as we move towards the draft process. I don't know exactly where he'll end up getting drafted, but I could see him being a riser um, and hopefully going to a good team into a good situation. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was crazy offensive game. Uh, is a noon kick, and yeah, if you love offense, you would have loved this game. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're just going to take a quick minute to talk about Draft. Um, if you love fantasy football, you need to try our new favorite app, which is Draft. Um, you do a draft, it lasts for just one week, there's no management, all you have to do is set it and forget it, it's a best ball style league. Um, once you're done drafting, no trades, no anything like that. Um, they even take care of last minute injuries for you. Uh, drafts are starting every couple minutes. You can even join one right now. And the best part is you get to play for a cold, hard cash. Drafts are playing for uh, starting from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Um, you can come join me, uh, join us on Draft today if you download the app at any time or go to playdraft.com on your computer. And for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft. You make your first deposit if you use our promo code RVRADIO. So you get to play a real money game for free just for using that promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. So just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and you can come play for free with promo code RVRADIO. Um, so we're not going to do like a full preview of these games, uh, the playoff games, um, because obviously they're not going to be played for almost a month. But um, we do just want to kind of briefly touch on them, um, kind of what um, kind of break down the last set of rankings and maybe, um, you know, just a little uh, discussion on them. So Alabama was able to get in over Ohio State. Um, Ohio State finished ranked fifth, Alabama ranked fourth. I kind of touched on that before. I thought that was fair. Um, like you said, that Iowa loss just really um, did it did it for me. Uh, and Oklahoma as well, losing at home um, by that much to you know a team that you could potentially face in the playoffs. I don't think bodes well 
Um, Alabama only had one loss to an Auburn team, which is very capable. I know Ohio State won their conference title, um, but uh, and they, they probably had the better resume. But the I think the job of the committee is to take the four best teams, um, and I, I don't think Ohio State was you know the most impressive team that they narrowly knocked off Penn State, narrowly knocked off Wisconsin. Um, struggled against Michigan, Alabama rolled against everybody except for Auburn. Um, and, and I think you, you are allowed to slip up. There's, there's only one undefeated team left in the country, and they clearly haven't played the schedule anyone else has played. Um, and if Alabama is ranked number one for 13 weeks, um, I, I think that has to you know be taken into consideration about why they make it. Um, and if Ohio State's AD is on the playoff committee and they couldn't get in, I, I think that does say something too. Um, if they weren't getting in with their AD on the committee, that they, they weren't getting in at all. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that this is probably the right decision. You know, we we touched on the Ohio State's loss to Iowa and and just how bad that loss was. It wasn't it wasn't a last second field goal win night game at home in Iowa like we may have seen coming. It was an absolute. You know, they just completely laid an egg. Uh, I, and I think that probably is, is tough to get off the, the minds of the committee. And and like you said, Alabama lost to Auburn, who there were points during the season where they looked like one of the best teams in the country. And, you know, they played a real tough schedule, looked really good. Um, I think it's fair. And, and you know, it's if I was an Ohio State fan, I could definitely see why you might be upset and, and be able to make an argument for why you should have gotten in. But I think that it's just, you know, it's ever so slightly leaning towards Alabama. So I'm, I'm actually okay. Uh, I don't think there's a huge, huge scrap to be had. And I think that the matchups that we kind of touched on uh, at the top, the top four are pretty interesting. So I, I think the, the first round of the playoff will probably be pretty exciting. Like you said, we have the Alabama Clemson uh, round three and the Georgia Oklahoma game in the Rose Bowl that I think is kind of a clash of styles, which I personally really enjoy whenever we get a chance to see that. You know, the the Oklahoma's extremely powerful offense, Georgia's really good defense and ground game. So I'm, I'm a sucker for those kind of uh, contrasting style matchups. So that's one that I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also of note, if um, you were wondering what the betting markets thought of Alabama getting in over Ohio State, Alabama's favored against Clemson. Um, they're they're one-point favorites, but it, it does say something. I don't think Ohio I think if Ohio State played Clemson, uh, the line probably would have been something similar to what we saw with um, Miami this week, where it was, I think that was about seven points, right? Um, somewhere in that range, I, I think it kind of would have been there. Um, so it seems like you're more excited about that Georgia-Oklahoma game. Um, I am pretty excited to see this Alabama game. I don't know which game I'm more excited for, but, if, uh, you know, just touching on that briefly, I think it's going to be, um, kind of similar to what we saw, um, excuse me, uh, with, uh, Georgia and Auburn. Um, if Clemson can contain Ohio State's run defense, um, kind of wh- whoever contains the other guys, uh, Rush, rushing attack, excuse me, um, with their rush defense. They've got to force their quarterback to make plays. I think that's the team that's going to win the game. Um, so kind of two similarly built teams. I don't think we'll have um, the classic like we did the past two years when the two teams faced off with Sean Watson or anything like that, but still pretty excited for that game. Um, so 
that's all we're gonna we're gonna touch on for this week with these. Um, don't want to dive too deep into it. We'll, we'll have a preview episode just for those. So the Heisman Trophy is going to be given out Saturday in New York. Um, looking at ESPN's Heisman poll, um, Baker Mayfield received eleven of the twelve first place votes. Um, I think he'd probably have our votes too. Correct for first place. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I would assume Baker would, would probably end up in New York um, if that's the case. I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, Bryce Love received 9 of 12 second-place votes. Um, Mayfield received 1. Lamar Jackson received 2. Um, Jackson also received the other first-place vote, which I'm happy to see. I think he deserves to be in New York as well. Um, he received the majority of the third-place votes. I think after those three is kind of where it gets interesting. Um I think Jonathan Taylor could have potentially played himself out of New York after this weekend um, with that showing if they do only take three. Um, if they take five, I think with his body of work, he deserves to be there. Um, and then it'll kind of come down, I think, to probably Saquon Barkley and Rashad Penny, um, Khalil Tate, Carrion Johnson, Mason Rudolph, and Ed Oliver are also listed on the poll as the top 10 road getters. But um, Carrion Johnson had six, six points, and then uh, Tate, Rudolph and Oliver had a combined four, so not totally in consideration there. Um, I, I think it would come down to Barkley and Penny for most people. Um, I, I would personally take Barkley. I know he hasn't had the statistical year Penny uh, Penny had. He also hasn't played the schedule, or Penny also hasn't played the schedule he has. Um, and I think while he might not be the most dominant statistical player in the country, I think. Uh, He's probably the most exciting to watch or one of them. Um, don't think he should win. Don't think he should be a top, um, you know, four to four to five guy. Or I uh, should be a top five guy, excuse me, but not, uh, you know, top three to four in votes. But I think um, just based on what he did early in the year, um, his game against Iowa in particular, and even Ohio State with that kickoff return, I think he just deserves to uh, be in New York, be recognized a little bit with that. Yeah, I think that it's pretty pretty clearly Baker Mayfield as the one and then a bit of a gap, and then I think it gets kind of messy with the rest of the guys that you pretty much mentioned. I just wanted to touch on Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, he, although... For, for whatever reason, he seemed to be somewhat of an afterthought this year. I guess it's because Louisville was was just underwhelming early on and, and kind of fell away from the national spotlight. But he actually had what you could consider his best statistical season of his career. I mean, it's the first year that he completed 60% of his throws. Um, he only threw six interceptions. He had a 9.3 adjusted yards per attempt. That's the best of his career. Um he his rushing yardage fell ever so slightly, uh, about a hundred yards less, four less rushing touchdowns. But he actually averaged more yards per, per carry this season, uh, six point nine. That's another career high. So you could make the case that this was his best season. Um, I don't necessarily think that. You know, I think Baker is is should be the one who wins. But uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, for for having what could be his best year he he's just kind of quietly gone through the season and Bryce Love started off so hot kind of uh, you know tr- it faded off a little bit late in the year but a lot of that had to do with his ankle injury I think I, I don't know if he's he's really been right for the last couple weeks still producing but not to the you know insane levels that I agree with you on Barkley um, I, I, I think that it's 
I, I don't necessarily think it's a question that he's one of the best players in the country, but his statistic, his statistics uh, probably aren't good enough to warrant him being in that top three. Like you said, he's, I, I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that defenses were really keying in on him late in the season, which opened things up for Trace McSorley in the passing game for Penn state. But you know, the production really just wasn't there, I think, to warrant him being in serious contention to win. Rashad Penny is extremely productive, but like you said, he obviously plays a little bit uh, softer schedule than the majority of these other guys we're talking about. And Jonathan Taylor, just the simple fact that he amassed that much rushing yardage at such a young age, I think he absolutely belongs in this discussion. So, I mean, I guess that's six guys, so <laughs> not going to have six guys sitting at the ceremony, but um, I think what it really comes down to is Baker Mayfield should win the trophy. I, I don't really feel I, – I, I don't really see an avenue for someone to convince me otherwise. And um, so, that, I mean, that's kind of where I sit. Yeah, I haven't uh, kept up on Penny after the, their first couple games where they played Arizona State and Stanford um, just because, um, you know, the, the games aren't that great to watch. But I didn't realize he ended the year um, with four straight games with at least 200 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Um, that, that's pretty amazing. Um, so hitting almost 1,000 yards in your last four games with uh, nine touchdowns. Um, warrants you some some, uh, some consideration excuse me um and like you said with jackson i think jackson is probably the most valuable player to his team in the country if you were to take lamar jackson off louisville i don't think they're a bowl team but i, I think baker is um you know without a doubt has had the most impressive season um moving on uh to some non-player news uh jimbo fisher went to texas a&m he did leave florida state signed a 10-year $75 million contract um got welcomed down there today um florida state hasn't got a coach yet um their coaching search has only been going on for about three days as opposed to going on over a week and a half now for tennessee so at least they're looking pretty competent there um Willie Taggart appears to be the guy they're going after. Um, for, from what I'm hearing, uh, Ta- Taggart is expected to make a decision one way or the other um, in the in the next day or so. Um, it, it sounds like he, he's leaning towards staying at Oregon, um, but you know, obviously there's um, there's no guarantee. Um, he, he tweeted out yesterday, uh, looking forward to a great day tomorrow with our team practice, find out who we play in the bowl game, team banquet, and then bank on the road, back on the road recruiting, go Ducks. So um, that, that's all he's kind of said on the matter. I think that'd be a good hire for the uh, Florida State, but they did kind of miss out on a lot of the premier coaches um, with Scott Frost, Dan Mullen, um, all are already gone. Um, they are going after Justin Fuente and Charlie Strong as well. Haven't heard anything about Lane Kiffin going there. That'd kind of be fun. Um, I, I haven't seen a word of that, though. Um, but I, Taggart's their guy, um, and I, I think he's probably the best fit down there, having coached uh, South Florida for so long. He knows the area, um, and he's clearly a good uh, offensive mind, which is what Florida State needs after this dismal year. Yeah, and he's also, I believe, a Bradenton, Florida native, so he's... Really, really, really got strong, deep roots there. Um, I haven't, I haven't heard any lane train rumors either. I'm kind of surprised that those haven't popped up, even if they're not true. Um, 
you know that if anyone if, if anyone was to be the center of a uh, of fake news narrative for uh for a coaching hire i think that kiffin would probably be involved um but yeah i i kind of agree i think that if willie tiger does take this job i think that it's a good hire for florida state i also think justin fuente would be a good hire um i haven't heard necessarily any strong concrete information regarding him to florida state but i have seen his name floated around and I don't know about Charlie Strong, man. I I just don't even really know. I I don't know. I I just don't know. I think that his his name recognition maybe has is kind of what has floated him through the last couple of years, and I don't know necessarily if that would be a good hire. Uh, but you know, I'm not Florida State's AD. I'm just a guy with a podcast. So what do I know? But uh, yeah, I think Willie Taggart is a good target if they can land him. Um. But, you know, I also would respect him if he wanted to stay at Oregon because I think that, you know, the recruiting base is obviously way better at Florida State. It's, uh, you know, the legacy of the program is is larger than at Oregon. Um, more longstanding success, you know, going back a uh, couple decades. But if he does decide to stay at Oregon, I would be totally fine with that as well. Um, and as far as, as Jimbo going to Texas A&M, I know that Jimbo Fisher's win-loss record is extremely, extremely positive uh, during his time at Florida State, but he's another guy that uh, I just – I have never really known exactly what to make of him as a coach. And that's not to say that he's a bad coach because that's not what I mean, but he's not a guy that I would necessarily be jumping up and down if my school hired him. And maybe that's like a hot take and a bad take maybe, but I, I just – don't really know I, I i don't know do you do you sort of feel the same way do you feel the complete opposite way like what are what are your thoughts on fisher i'm kind of with you um i don't know he's a good recruiter um but I, I can't really get a read on him as a coach um it seemed like jeremy pruitt did a lot of the work on defense for florida state when they were competing for national titles and when they lost him to bama um two years ago um They've kind of taken a step back on defense, and you know he had Jameis on offense, obviously, and they were an elite team then. But when he hasn't had um, a quarterback like Winston, um, I, I feel like they they haven't been like a national powerhouse type team. That um, they've been a you know a team that competes for ACC titles, but not a team that necessarily would compete for um, national titles. Now, and this season. And, and this, sorry, and real quick, just in this season, I think is a really good example. Like it's a very small sample size, obviously, but like you said, he did not have, once Francois went down, he did not have a legitimate starting quarterback and things kind of fell apart. And it's not that Florida State wasn't talented because they are talented. They have talent on that team. And if you're a top flight head coach worth $75 million over 10 years, you would think that you would at least be able to rally it and keep the ship afloat, which he wasn't really able to do. And maybe it's, maybe, you know, maybe he already had one foot out the door this year. Maybe the, maybe the kids knew it. I don't know the inner workings of the locker room, but I don't know. It's just like this nagging feeling I have about him that I'm just not entirely sold. Yeah. It seemed like that relation had just kind of fractured over the course of past year and a half, um, kind of similar to Mark Rick uh, when he ended at Georgia. 
it was kind of just good for both parties to move on and get a fresh start. Um, but w- when uh, Winston was there, I'm looking now, they were 14-0 and and won the national title and 13-1 and and lost uh, to Oregon in the, in the semifinal. Um, other than that, he has one 12-win season and three 10-win seasons. So obviously, you know, solid coach, but I, I don't know if he's in that um, top flight tier, uh, you know, that top five coach in the country. Um, certainly wouldn't fully guarantee a $75 million contract over 10 years like Texas A&M did. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy. I don't know why they did that, but um, uh, I, I think that'll uh, probably help A&M. Um, Florida State has lost eight commits since November. Um, from what I saw, Jimbo just kind of stopped recruiting altogether in September. Uh, they lost three more today, lost three the other day. Um, and I, I, I just looked. Uh, Justin Fuente said, we've been approached by other schools and have declined to talk to anybody. So sounds like he's going to stay at Virginia Tech. Um, I am interested to see what they do if they miss on Taggart. Would they go after a guy like Chad Morris or something along those lines? Um Hopefully Charlie Strong doesn't end up at Florida State because I, I don't think that would end well for either party. Um, I think uh, Strong could kind of thrive at South Florida for a while. Um, if we want to talk kind of about our favorite non-New Year's Six Bowl game, I don't know if you're a fan of the Independence Bowl with Florida State. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to Florida State Southern Miss. I was hoping Florida State got put in the Belk Bowl against Texas A&M because that would have been really fun. Oh, man. But it didn't happen. So, um uh, I believe A&M is playing Wake Forest in that game. But um, you, you have two bowls down here. I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts on, on both of them. Yeah, so I kind of cheated and took two. Two popped out uh, off the list. The more the yeah, merrier. Sure. Two, two jumped off the list to me right away. The first one's the uh, Las Vegas Bowl on Saturday, December 16th, between Boise State and Oregon. And the reason why I like this game, you know, both, both teams kind of under performed i guess what we would normally expect uh these are generally double digit win teams or at least have been in the recent past um oregon had to deal with some some injuries justin herbert went down starting quarterback for a couple games and put them in kind of a tough spot boise state has been rotating quarterbacks um basically all season but i think i kind of had like a like a personal bias for both these teams because when i was younger i i really liked both and it might have been like crazy color coordination and blue field and, uh, you know, going back to like LaMichael James days. Like, I just really liked both these teams. And I think it's an interesting matchup for two teams that have historically been, like I said, perennial double digit win teams. Uh, both kind of had a, you know, down seasons this year, but I think it'll present a pretty interesting matchup. And for my second one, I also took the Alamo Bowl, which is December 28th, uh, Thursday, Stanford versus TCU. And again, I kind of hinted at it when we were talking about Oklahoma, Georgia. This is another one of really, really contrasting styles. Um, TCU with their spread offense, Kenny Hill running point. And then you have Stanford with Bryce Love, and they would be you know, content running three tight end sets every single play if they could. So this is just another one where Obviously, getting a chance to see Bryce Love one more time is something that we should all take advantage of, but also just for the contrasting styles is why I'll be keeping an eye on that one. Yeah. Um, for mine, if uh, if Nick Fitzgerald hadn't got hurt in the last week, um, I would have said 
uh, the Tax Lawyer Bowl on December 30th, uh, Mississippi State versus Louisville. Um, I think that would have been a really fun game to watch. Um, but I'm actually going to take a different game, kicking off a half hour later on that day. Um, Memphis, who I touched on before, is facing America's team, Iowa State, um, who I, who everybody knows I love to watch. Um, Iowa State's got, got a good defense that was able to hold a high-powered Oklahoma offense, just 31 points, and an offense that can put up points in their own right, David Montgomery, and then Memphis um, just put up 50-something points uh, again against UCF this week. So that that's a game I'm really excited for. Um, I think it could kind of go either way. It could be a shootout, could be a low-scoring game. Um, don't really know how it's going to fare out because they're two kind of wild-card teams. So I, I'm excited for that game. Um, outside of the New Year's Six Bowl, I don't think there's as many options as in past years of like really intriguing matchups. Um, that's just my thoughts personally. I'm not, you know, I'm not that interested in watching games like Austin College, Iowa, or Virginia Navy, or Duke, Northern Illinois. But, you know, th- there's always some some crazy games that'll, that'll work out. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Both seasons, one of the best times of the year. For, um, so o- always got to enjoy it. My favorite name for a bowl has to be the Gasparilla Bowl on oh, December the, 21st. Oh, the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mower Bowl. Is that what, the best? Okay, I was going to ask. I had no idea what that even was. But I'm like scrolling through looking at the names and I see Gasparilla. And I was like, well, I yeah. mean, that's fun. And it's sponsored by Bad Boy Mowers. What a wow. name. Yeah. Gotta yeah. love it. I wonder if the so so the players get like a, like a customizable mower deck or something as a gift. or I, It'll be interesting <laughs> to see, I guess. FIU Temple. Yeah. Can't wait for it. Can't, can't miss um, it. Yep. But uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the College Football Show. Uh, for Jordan, again, he's on Twitter at jhoover9787. And I'm Kyle on Twitter at KylePollockFF. And have a great week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at roadofhisradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 
5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.